Hi, welcome to The Kicker. I'm Kyle Pope, editor and publisher of the Columbia Journalism Review. This week, covering catastrophe. Reports are still coming in, but it's been a horrific week in the Bahamas with Hurricane Dorian coming through, devastating a big part of that island chain, leaving officially 20 people dead, and expectations are that there will unfortunately be more. What is it like to cover that? What is the role of the international press, the local press, social media? We're joined today by Eugene Duffy, who's managing editor of the Tribune in Nassau, who has had reporters out covering that. There was a period where he didn't know what the status of those reporters was. I'm happy to be joined on the phone by Eugene. So Eugene, thanks a lot for joining us. Before we get get going on other stuff. Tell me what the latest is in terms of what the government is saying about casualties and and the state of the islands. Well, we had a press conference late last night with the Prime Minister, Dr. Hubert Minnis. Uh, The death toll stands at 20. 17 of those are on the island of Abaco, three on the bigger island, Grand Bahama. Uh, But as he's been cautioning all week, uh, he's been telling the public, expect more. Mm Mm-hmm. What are you hearing from your own reporters? Sadly, I've had two reporters, a reporter and a photographer, I flew to Abaco on Friday. Uh, They were in touch with me up until about 11 p.m. on Sunday evening when the hotel they were in, the Abaco Beach Club, uh, which billed itself as the safest hotel on the island, they had to evacuate. Uh, Their rooms were flooded. And that was the last I heard from them. Yesterday, uh, I managed to get hold of a contact in the Royal Bahamas Police saying we were getting more concerned. Uh, No one had been getting any communication into Abaco uh, all week. So I asked, please, can they help? They were able to get through to their own small, I think the 60 police officers on Abaco. And after about five hours, I got a message back. They are safe. Mm. Uh, They're now at an airport. I know that in Abaco, Sandy Port, to the south of the island. We've had a message back that they're trying to get on one of the uh, flights operating from Nassau, where I am, in in Abaco. But as yet, uh, they aren't on a flight, and I haven't physically spoken or emailed or texted with them. But you know that I know they're, they're fine. I, the, yeah. One of the police officers who tracked them down, he's sent me photographs of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, the whole office has been on a knife edge, you know, thinking, thinking the worst. Two grinning journalists came back in a photograph. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's great news in a very dark time. Yeah. Um, so how are you covering this? I mean, how does how do you tackle this? Well, I don't know my, my background. I come from a big newspaper in the UK called the Daily Mirror. Mm-hmm. I'm used to, you know, an army of journalists, photographers, wire services, which make the job relatively simple. Uh, the Bahamas Tribune, which is the national paper here in Nassau, uh, I've got a very small staff got about eight news reporters, two photographers, uh, three feature writers. Last Thursday, when we knew Dorian was coming, we, I took the decision, yes, it's going to be a Category 1 at that stage, Category mm-hmm. 2 possibly, will be fine. We rang, I rang round the, the, the top hotels in Abaco saying, oh, have you got backup generators? Are you off the beach? Came back, the one we picked was certified the safest. And, and this must be... 
a fairly routine move for you, right? I mean, you, you're in sort of Hurricane Alley. And yeah, it, it's, I mean, I, I came to the Bahamas two and a half years ago, and a month after I arrived, Hurricane Irma, uh-huh. you remember, came yeah. barreling in. That hurricane turned left in the south of the Bahamas island chain. And we had a few islands right down near Cuba, one called Ragged Island, which uh, was deemed unlivable after Irma passed by. Uh, But fortunately, it swung to the west of the Bahamas and came up and, as you know, hit Florida. Mm -hmm. So here they're used to it. Uh, Five years ago, Hurricane Matthew hit New Providence, and it, we suffered substantial damage then, but nothing on the scale of Hurricane Dorian. Right. You think this is on par to be perhaps the worst ever hurricane for? Uh, well, I was just speaking to my publisher a few moments ago, uh, a lady called Eileen Caron, who's uh, recognised as the world's longest-serving editor. Uh, she remembers one in 1936, uh, which she thought was pretty bad, but uh. I think. Well, sadly, I think with global warming, you know, they seem to be getting tougher. Right. And they seem to be coming not once every four or five years, but every two years something big comes and it causes the damage that we've seen. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that has changed since these last hurricanes is the rise of social media and, and alternate sources of information. How have, what have you seen in uh, here um, and how, how bad is that? sort of level of disinformation that's flowing around? Uh, it's quite significant. Uh, I mean, I come from a very regimented media in the UK where you follow a press code of conduct. Mm. Uh, copyright is for, followed very rigorously. Here in the Bahamas, that isn't the case. Uh, there's no code of conduct for the press. Uh, there's no recognition of copyright here. Uh, and so it, it's made my job easier with all the videos that's posted on mm-hmm. social media. We just lift and lock it onto our website, uh, convi- con- concern ourselves that it is genuine. I mean, in the early days, post Dorian on, on I think on Monday, uh, an image emerged purporting to be of Abaco, and it was a drone shot shot from about 5,000 feet and it was a fantastic picture but it just looked too too good and you know we I, I checked with someone I know here in Nassau who knows Marsh Harbour in, intimately and he said Eugene that's not Marsh Harbour and it was something someone had made up. Do you know what it was? Uh, no to this day I don't know where it is it you know computer generated it was yeah. you know it looked great uh, but it was quickly, you know, it was, do not put that on the website. What if, as, as the week's gone on, uh, there's various bits of footage. You know, some, I, I think yesterday uh, I was someone posted an image of four white people desperately swimming against uh, the current, you know, pe- people with, uh, shouting from the side, swim, swim, swim. And as the four came out, they all spoke Spanish. And clearly that, to me, is probably some footage from Puerto Rico huh. uh, put out as people swimming for their lives in Abaco. What is the motivation for people to do that? Uh, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? They get a buzz, they get hits on their own personal Facebook pages, Twitter accounts. And uh, yeah. as the editor, you've got to, you know, we have, 
you know, a lot of eyes looking at stuff before we post it. One one of the um, themes that some of the international press has picked up on is this notion of looting um, in Bahamas. How true is that? Well, bear in mind you had a terrible experience in New Orleans. Right. Right, when pretty much the population was left to fend for itself for a week. Here, the looting that's coming out is confined to one area of Abaco, which is Marsh Harbour, which has lost 70% of its buildings. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nobody got in there until probably Tuesday, Wednesday morning. A Royal Navy vessel uh, managed to get into the harbour. Before that, there'd been three U.S. Coast Guard helicopters landing, taking, I think they got about 60 people out over the first 48 hours. But there was no food, no water, no medical supplies, nothing. And, you know, my guys, my two journalists, I know they were in Marsh Harbour. They would have to move to get to drier land safety. Mm -hmm. I'd have no problem with them if they saw an empty house you know, kicking the door down, going in, seeing if there's safe tins of food or sure. water. I mean, of course, you know, that those are professional journalists. Right. Sadly, some of the population of Abaco, I mean, one area known as the Mud, contained about 3,000 Haitian immigrants who lived, you know, these are people who risked their lives to get on boats in Haiti and mm-hmm. sail up the Bahamas chain, uh, hoping to get to the U.S., a lot of them get as far as Abaco, where there's a big Haitian community, and sort of stay there for a few months before going for the next bit. Mm-hmm. But their community got—it doesn't exist anymore. Right. It was three thousand people living in wooden huts. That they've all gone. Yeah. So those people, we hope, have made it to safety. But until the government and the emergency services can start doing organised food, uh, water, medical treatment. They've got to fend for themselves, and sadly, if you're still in your house, and it's a nice big beachfront thing that's not been too too badly damaged, and there's 50 Asian immigrants outside trying to get in, that's when the problems start. But yeah, and then that it really becomes a question of how do you frame what's going on? I mean, it's not looting as much as it is survival. At Correct. That point. Correct. The prime minister was at, was at pains last night. I mean, one of the go back to the social media postings, one of the early ones yesterday morning was of a Haitian mob firing on a U.S. Coast Guard helicopter. Mm-hmm. It quite simply didn't happen, mm-hmm. right? We got word back later in the day that a child, a young boy, who'd been put in a police car uh, had actually fired the officer's shotgun. Yeah. Uh, not injuring anybody, but the sound of the gun, all of a sudden it morphed into this... They're shooting on the rescuers' story. Yeah, um, you, you know, Eugene. I've actually, unfortunately, have been in a position to talk to several editors who are trying to trying to organize their staffs to cover um, disasters. And and there's a it's a huge story, and it's a journalistic challenge, but it's also a personal challenge just to sort of you know deal with people who are shaken and and traumatized in the newsroom. How have you been doing that, and what's the state of the sort of um, esprit de corps in the newsroom? I mean, I, I have to take my hat off to them. I mean, the, the Bahamians haven't got a rigorous training program for journalists. Most of them sort of come out of university. And I had a girl who started actually last week. She's got a degree in English. Uh, she's out covering a press conference now with the Prime Minister of 
uh, Haiti who flew in this morning. Mm-hmm. It's just dig in, get on with it. Uh, sadly, uh, one of my reporters, she got a phone call from her aunt on Monday morning, goes in Grand Bahama, saying the aunt and her family were trapped in their house, the flood water is rising. Ugh. Call for help. And the reporter, she rang the National Emergency Service, reported where this family were. By the time they got there, this was the following day, the girl, the reporter, she got a phone call, her aunt had died. Mm. They got to the roof and uh, she slipped off when a wave came. You know, it's shocking, you know, truly appalling thing. The reporter is, you know, she's been at home since, but, you know, you look around the newsroom and it's like, wow, this is really real. Right. And, and we, you've got staff there. Right. You know, the girl who's lost her aunt, next, sitting next to her, this new trainee I mentioned, her mother is in Marsh Harbour. Right. And we only got a phone call uh, like yesterday afternoon that her mother was safe. Right. You know, she's still making the phone call. She's still writing the copy. She's writing stories that could be her mother. Mm-hmm. Now, it's impressed me, you know, coming from, you know, the West, the developed world. You know, it's like true journalists everywhere. They get stuck in. Yeah. You know, this morning... We've discovered one of our rival papers has got a reporter on a plane going down to Marsh Harbour and it's, why aren't we on this plane and we, mm-hmm. we can't let them beat us. <laughs> Some things don't change. How do you think about the coverage? Is it, is it more about getting your arms around? I mean, I noticed the last print issue that I can see from your website is just, the headline is simply decimated with a sort of really dramatic picture. Um, is that the the main sort of journalistic job right now is just to sort of understand the state of play and, and the effect on the people? Or is there, or, or how else do you think about organizing coverage of something like this? Well, in the first instance, it's right, what's happened? Get as much of the drama of the facts in front of the public in a manner that makes them pick your paper up rather than the rival. Mm-hmm. I mean, I... My background is I come from, as I said, the Daily Mirror in the UK, which is a very uh, sharp tabloid paper. Yeah. You know, its headlines are bang on. I remember when Bush got elected president, our front page was, how can 57 million Americans be so dumb? Mm-hmm. And uh, which was caused a bit of a stir. Mm-hmm. So a, a bit of that mirror attitude is, comes with me editing this broadsheet here. Right. Uh, so hence big screaming headlines like decimated and I think when we got uh, on the first day's headline was monster uh-huh. the second day's headline was subdeck five confirmed dead in Dorian's wake but question mark how many more uh-huh. then it's decimated and today the headline is now it's 20 dead uh-huh. tomorrow fingers crossed it'll be the first five pages from the reporter Rashad Roll and the photographer uh-huh. of, you know, five days in darkness, you know, their, their story of being there throughout Dorian, mm-hmm. and the sort of start to finish of it. Yeah. And then next week you swing into the recovery operation once it gets fully into gear. So I was talking with my finance director this morning. Uh, when the guys come out from Abaco, we've got to start thinking, right, who do we send in next? Right. Because, you know, once they start lifting up the debris, you know, we haven't dealt with a hurricane, we've dealt with a tsunami, because that's what it looks like. It looks like Japan. Yeah. It's a 30-foot wave just swept over the island. And 
So what lies beneath is the big worry. So yeah. I mean, I'm going to need a team on the ground next week. And of course, the world's press is descending. Yeah. Uh, most of them are in either Miami or here in Nassau trying to get in. Yeah. Speaking of the world's press, I don't know how much time you've had to read or listen to what the international press is reporting on this. Do you have any sense of what they generally are getting right or wrong? Uh, I think they're focusing. I mean, I saw yesterday looting very quickly got to the top of the agenda. There's, there's one lady who gave an interview. You know, I heard that. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see it? Mm-hmm. It's, I heard, and there's not enough of that going on. Yeah. For us here in the Bahamas, it's a very sensitive thing because if you said Haitians are looting, mm-hmm. Haitians are shooting, the, the native Bahamians aren't going to be very happy. Right? And, and you, I'm very conscious of you know, not lighting that race fuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, international press, nobody here reads the international press, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird place. That, you know, I still sell 20,000 papers a day at traffic lights with people handing it out, mm-hmm. uh, which is great to see. You know, It's print first, digital second still, mm-hmm. which is, uh, takes me back to my early days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One thing that does concern me is if the death toll stays at what it is, the story may very quickly vanish from the headlines yeah. because there's only so many days of debris fields you can fill a paper with right. without moving on. And this, you know, if this, if Dorian hits Florida hard or the Carolinas hard, yeah. the U.S. press won't give, won't care about the Bahamas. They'll be up and down the East Coast. No, no. I feel, I'm just looking at some of the uh, national newspapers now. They're already the 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 focus has already shifted to the Carolinas. Yeah, so that's going to leave the bar. I mean, we had a U.S. report last week that estimated the damage bill for the Bahamas could be $8.1 billion. Mm-hmm. We haven't got $8.1 billion. You know, we've got a national debt of $6 billion and we can't add to it. Yeah. So without help, I'm conscious you need to keep feeding the story, you know, keep blowing the fact that, you know, this thing, terrible things happen to maintain that global interest and... Because it will soon vanish, sadly. You know, we all we're all old enough to know that the next big story and the cameras and the reporters they move on. Yeah. Well, best of luck to you. Thanks for taking the time today, Eugene Duffy, managing editor of the Tribune in NASA. Um, take care. Yep. No problem. Many okay. thanks. Great to talk to you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. So you can read more about the coverage of Hurricane Dorian on CJR.org, including an interview with Eugene that we published there, as well as everything else that's going on in the media. Relatedly, there is town hall about climate change, which is part of what's driving what's going on in the Bahamas. You can read coverage of that as well. And we will see you next week. 